All right. Well, let's go to God's word. If you're new with us, you'll find a sermon note sheet inside your bulletin that will help you better follow along. I want to take you once again this morning to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the same passage that we looked at last week with it from a different angle this time. You know, this story is, I think it's one of the most unique stories in the Bible in this respect. It's the only story we have from Jesus's life as a young boy. You know, we have several details and stories recorded for us surrounding his birth. And then by the time you, then, then from his baptism on through his resurrection, we have the majority of stories, but from his birth to baptism, we only have this one story. And it's the story of how when Jesus was 12 years old, he was on a trip with his parents to Jerusalem for Passover, and Mary and Joseph accidentally leave him behind. How many of you have ever left behind a child? Okay, you're not the only parent that's ever done that. And what happens is it takes a number of days to find him again. And as I told you last week, this is not just a cute story. You understand there are stories in the Bible that are meant for our benefit, for God to speak to us through This story, at its core, is a story about favor with God. We know that because the story begins and ends with a statement about favor. Look at it once again, beginning of the story, Luke chapter 2, verse 40. It says, and the child grew, talking about Jesus, and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. You go to the end of the story, verse 52. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. And here's the statement again. And, the, and in what? Favor. Favor with God and man. This passage is about the favor of God and how it can increase in our life as we grow in our relationship with God. Now, last week we spent quite a bit of time talking about favor. If you remember, I gave you six observations about favor to help you better understand what we're talking about, what it is, and how it works. Let me once again give you one of those observations because it's really the definition of favor to help you understand what we're talking about. Favor is the blessing of God at work in our life to help us. That's what favor is. Now, if you remember from last week, I told you that that word favor The words favor and grace, those two words in the New Testament are the very same word in the original Greek. It could could be pronounced charis or charis, however you want to pronounce it. And the context of the verse actually determines whether this Greek word is translated favor or grace in your English version of the Bible. And, And the question is, how are we to understand the difference between the two? Well, let me help you with that. There are two types of grace that God desires to be at work in your life and in my life. The first type of grace is called saving grace. Everybody say saving grace. grace. Okay? This is the one we're most familiar with. We talk about it quite often. We talk about it a lot. We sing about it a lot. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. What's the rest? saved a wretch like me, right? We know this. The apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter two, verse five. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. You say, what's that mean? Our sin put us in a condition that we couldn't do anything about it. Our sin put us in a hopeless state. We couldn't atone for it on our own. 
What did God do for us? Because he's rich in mercy. What? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And then it goes on in verse 8 to say, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. God's saving grace brought about your salvation. How many, how many know that? His grace through our faith in Christ saved us from our sin. It brought us back from spiritual death unto eternal life. And all of that, not by the work of our own hands, but by what? The grace of God at work in our life through Christ. So think about this. God's saving grace helped us accomplish what we could have never done in our own strength, and that's our salvation. How many are thankful for that? Without his saving grace, our salvation would not have been possible. It's impossible without his grace. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Saving grace is not where God wants his grace to stop flowing in your life. He wants to do more than just save you from your sins. He wants his empowering grace to be at work in your life. That's what we're talking about. When we're talking about the favor of God, we're talking about more grace that God wants to give you, get this, to help you. You see, I don't know if you you know this, but biblically speaking, listen to me very carefully. God never expected us to live by faith in this world without his help. It's not like God said, oh, you got Jesus, you're going to heaven. See you down the road. No. God said, now that you got Jesus... I want to help you with this thing. God never expected us to become more like Christ without his grace continuing to be at work in our life. God never expected us to be fruitful for his kingdom in this world without his help. It's not like God said, go make a difference for me in the world. Do your best. No, God says, do your best and I'm going to help you if you allow me to. Because you'll never be as fruitful as you can be without my help. His desire is to help us by way of his favor at work in our life. I mean, this is why he gave us the Holy Spirit, right? As a Christian, you've been given the Holy Spirit to be your what? Your helper. Listen, when God's favor is at work in your life, there is a measure of his anointing. There's a measure of his abilities. There's a measure of his power at work in your life to some degree to help you do what you could have never done on your own strength. How many are thankful to to realize this morning, as a Christian, I don't have to do this alone. God wants to help me. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about his favor in our life. And we see examples of God's favor working in people's lives all throughout the scripture. I gave you a few examples last week, but let me just give you a few more examples so you can see this in operation. How How many of you remember the prophet Daniel in the book of Daniel? Okay, God ended up using him to serve multiple kings and multiple world empires throughout his lifetime. It's an amazing story. God used him to such a degree that his name is still held in high regard in countries like Iran and Iraq to this day. Think about that. Muslim countries still revere this Jewish prophet to this day. And what was it that opened the door for all that to happen in Daniel's life? Do you understand? It was the favor of God. 
Look at it. Right after Daniel was taken as a slave from Jerusalem to Babylon to serve in King Nebuchadnezzar's court as a slave. Look what we're told. Daniel chapter 1 verse 9. And God gave Daniel, what is it? Favor. Favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. I mean, doors just started opening for him. Listen, God's favor can open doors for you that otherwise could have not been opened. God's favor can also turn things around in your life. I mean, how does he turn things around in your life? By his grace, right? Remember what God did for Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1? In her old age, God opened her womb, and she ended up giving birth to John the Baptist. Look at Elizabeth's testimony about it all. This says this in verse 25, the Lord has done this for me. You see that? He helped her. She said, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So understand, favor can give you a divine turnaround in your life. It can change the direction of your life. It can change the trajectory of it. God's favor can also give you influence with people that causes them to support his purposes in your life, even if they don't like you. See, what do you mean? Listen, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they left with all kind of riches to help aid the establishment of their own land and country. And look how it happened. Exodus chapter 12, verse 36. And the Lord has given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. In Acts chapter 2. We're told this about the early church, that they were praising God and having what? Favor with all the people. And what was the result of that? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know what that tells me? When a church has the favor of God on it, and when it increases on that church, it's going to have a multiplying effect on that church's ability to reach lost people for Christ. Moses prayed this in Psalm verse 90, verse 17. It says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You say, what is he praying? Listen, Moses understood that if the Lord doesn't build the house, the laborers labor in vain. He understood that the favor of God was necessary for the work of his hands to be lasting and to have the impact and significance that it needs to in God's kingdom. What he's saying is, God, I need your favor because if I don't have it, I don't want to waste my time. Psalm 22 tells us this, favor is better than silver or gold. Do you understand it's better to have the favor of God on your life than all the riches and all the success and all the popularity in the world? Listen, what I desire most as your pastor is for God's favor to increase in my life, to increase in my family's life, to increase in your life, to increase in your family's life, and to increase on our church. And the good news is it can. That's exactly what happened in the life of Jesus as he grew in his relationship with God. Look at it once again, verse 52, Luke 2. It says, and Jesus increased. You see that? In wisdom and in stature, talking about he grew physically, and in favor with God. Now, I I know that's hard for us to understand and fathom, and I talked about this a little bit last week, but how is that even possible? Jesus is God in the flesh, right? Well, I think a way that you can understand that is 
Uh, Philippians chapter 2 says, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Otherwise, although he is the divine son of God, when he came to live as a human being, he set aside some of his privileges and he ended up doing life the way that we would have to do life. I mean, do you understand? Jesus did no miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him at his baptism. Why? Because he, does, he would do miracles the same way that any of us can do a miracle if God's hands on us by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons that God did this and Jesus lived this way is to be an example for how it would be for us. So here's what I want you to understand. If Jesus increased in favor with God, that means so can we. And you know what I know? I think God desires that as well. I think God is more, more, more willing and more able, and he's just standing there. I think he sometimes, I get this picture in my mind that God's up in heaven watching us, and they're like, if they would just ask for my help, if they would just come to me. I, I've, got, I've got all, if they, <sighs> hello, that's the picture I get in my mind. So the question is, how do we increase in favor with God? Well, that's what the story in Luke, Luke chapter 2 teaches us. Now, last week, we learned a principle in this story by focusing on the life of Mary, on Mary and Joseph's part in the story. And here's, here's what we learned. Principle number one, if you want to increase in favor, stay close to Jesus. Okay. I mean, you, you grab a hold of Jesus and don't let go. You do that. I promise you, you will increase in favor. And we talked about that last week. Today, we're going to learn a second principle about increasing in favor with God. And, it's, and we're going to do that by focusing on Jesus in this story. Let me once again take a moment. Some of you weren't here last week. Let's read the story, get our back in our mind again. It says this, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. How many have ever lost one of your kids? You're in good company. Even Mary and Joseph lost track of Jesus. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart and Jesus, here's the verse again, increased in wisdom and in stature and in the favor and in favor with God and man. Here's principle number two about increasing in favor. If you want to increase in favor, imitate Jesus. 
You don't only know, you don't only need to get close to him, but then you got to learn how to imitate him, be like him, do what he does, care about the things that he cares about, seek the things that he seeks. Listen, to be like Christ is to sum up what the Christian life is really all about, right? And it's what God desires for our life, that we would be imitators of Christ and we would model our life after him. When we do that, I'm telling you, it's going to lead us to an increase in favor with God. So with with that in mind, let's focus on a few things in this story that Jesus did. It's not an exhaustive list of things, but I want you to see certain things. Listen, there there are just certain things that we can get in the habit of doing that will cultivate the favor of God in our life. That, that will position us to receive increased favor from God. It's God who gives the favor, but you can put yourself in a position by some things that you do that will lead to, to allowing him to increase favor in your life. Here's number one. Favor increases when we prioritize being in God's house. You said we talked about this last week. Well, we're going to talk about it again. Listen, being consistent to church is one of the best choices that you could ever make for you and for your family. You say, well, well, why? Because it's a way of consistently positioning yourself to increase in favor with God. Look what Jesus said when Mary said to him, son, we've been looking for you all over the place. Where in the world have you been? And look what Jesus says in verse 49. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Listen, that, that's very interesting phrasing to me. In fact, it just jumps off the page. My spirit just resonated with it. Listen, he said, I must be in my father's house. Yeah. It's not, hey, I think this is something that I should do every so often. I mean, it's, it's not, hey, I should do this when Easter and Christmas rolls around. It's not, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm here because you know what? My parents left me behind and I really didn't have anything else to do. It's no, it, Jesus says, I must be there. Yes, yes. This is a priority in my life is what Jesus is saying. Listen, Jesus understood at an early age that God's house is not optional. It's essential to his relationship with God. He loves being in his father's house. It's a huge contributing factor to his increase in favor with God. Let me tell you something that I know as a pastor, because I witness it all the time. I have 23 years of experience. I see it happen so often. Listen, when people drift from church, they drift from God. It happens all the time. And it doesn't matter how they drifted. Sometimes the devil distracts them. Sometimes they get busy with other things. There's just too many other things in their life. But when people drift from church, inevitably there's a drift that happens from God. Listen, it's never a good thing when church goes from I must to maybe in my life. Maybe if I have time. Maybe if I'm not too tired because you know what? I've had a long work week. Maybe if there isn't something better to do. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here. That's not my point. We understand there's sicknesses and vacations and and, and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Listen, but it never leads anywhere good spiritually in your life when church becomes a maybe. 
Let me give you a, a few reasons why church needs to, to be a must in my life. Here's the first thing. Consistently being in church helps me prioritize putting God first in my life. Listen, when I, when I make going to God's house the first thing I do in my week, it helps me set the pattern that God comes first in my life. And it helps hold me accountable to that practice in my life. And God's favor comes when we put him first in our life, right? Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek, what's the word? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. This is in the context of a worry passage. We spend so many times, so much time trying to make life work, trying to do it. Hey, God, we're, we're doing our best. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we worry about so much. And God says, listen, if you will just learn to put me first, all the other things that you worry about, I'll make sure they get taken care of. Put me first and I'll bless the rest. Yes. Consistently being in church also helps me experience a greater presence of God in my life. And I, and I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, I am there also. That's to say, when the people of God worship together, there's a greater presence of God. Why? Because we're all the body of Christ. And when you come with Jesus in you, and you come with Jesus in you, and when the body comes together, there is a greater presence of the Lord. I'm not saying you can't experience the presence of God on your own. You certainly can. But I'm going to tell you right now, I sense the presence of God in my own life many times strongly at home, but I never sense it more strongly than when I'm worshiping with you guys. It also opens my life to a greater working in my life. Certainly God is working in your individual life. God's got plans for you that are unique from anybody else in this room. But when you, when you say, I'm going to find a church family, do you understand God is not only working in the people's lives individually in the church, but he has a corporate plan for that church as well that's greater than them individually. And so you open yourself up to a greater working of God in your life when church becomes a must. Let me give you an, a, a, another benefit of church. Let's call this one protection. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. First Peter chapter five, verse eight. You, you remember that? I don't have it on screen, but it says your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know how that works. You turn on the nature channel, pack a wildebeest go by in a pack, lion leaves them alone. He, what is the one the lion goes after? The one that gets separated from the herd. And it doesn't matter how they got separated. The devil sows lies. Nobody at that church loves you and blah, 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 blah. And now they're separated and the devil comes in and goes... Listen, there's a protection that comes when you worship with God's people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the writer gives this. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Why? All the, all the more as you see the day drawing near. You say, what day? The return of Christ. What he's saying here is you're going to need church in the body of Christ more as we get closer to the return of Christ than ever before. Because things are going to get harder in this world. Deception is going to be on the increase in this world. You need to have a church more than ever in the environment we live in in this world. There's a greater youthfulness with your gifts and talents. Listen, one of the reasons God has given you gifts and talents is to build up the body of Christ. 
Listen, when, when you make God's house a consistent part of your life, it positions you to receive a greater increase of God's favor in your life. If you want the favor of God in your life, are you ready for this? Love the things that God loves. Do you understand? God loves the church. Jesus died for the church. Look around. This is the bride of Christ. Parents, listen to me for just a second. You need to model church being a must. You need to prioritize that for your kids. You say, you say what, do you, what do you mean? It's not optional. This is what we do. But I'm tired, Mommy. It doesn't matter. We're going to church. I don't want to go to kids' clubs. Well, when you're in kids' clubs age, you're going to kids' clubs. When you're in youth group age, you're going to youth group. Why? Because we model in this house making God a priority. And part of making him a priority is also to make his body a priority. Listen, me and Amy raised our kids not only to be committed to God individually, but to be committed to the church as well. I think one of the mistakes that parents make is, is they, well, we, we, we just kind of raise them to love God and, and they don't make church a must. That is a mistake. I need the church in my kids' lives to say things that I would say that they don't receive from me because I'm the primary disciplinarian. Listen, one of the ways that God wants to raise them is not just through my hands and feet, but the whole body of Christ. And when I don't make that a must, I rob them of the opportunity to grow and increase in favor. I, 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 just, I, I just say this to you because I, I think so many parents, look, there's, there's a lot of options out there, parents. And I'm not saying your kids can't be involved in other kind of things. Our kids certainly have been involved in sports and all those kind of things. But I'll tell you what never goes by the wayside. Church is a must. If something has to go, something else has to go. Parents, you have bought into the idea that I've got to run my kids to every activity. You do not. It's okay to take them to activities. But the most important thing in their life should be church is a must. Amen. So I don't, I don't know if that's good for my kids. Are you kidding me? Listen, my kids are not perfect. My wife said amen. They're imperfect. They get it from their father. But we raised our kids to understand church is just as important as their relation, personal relationship with God. And, I, and listen, I haven't been perfect in this journey, but I, I've got one kid that is already an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God. I've got another kid that wants to be a medical missionary. I've got another kid that wants to be a children's pastor. And listen, I, that's not my goal to put them in ministry. I just want to raise lovers of Jesus. But what happens is, is when, you make, when, you, when you put them in an environment to grow and to be around the body of Christ, what can happen is favor of God can increase in their life. And let me just say this, parents. Don't just be a parent that brings your kid to church. Do church with them. Sign up and serve with them. Teach Sunday school with them. It's your job not to drop them off because you've had a tired week. It's your job to do church with them because we do this as a family together. Church has got to be a must. Listen, if you want to increase in favor, I must prioritize being in God's house. Listen, this is such a simple habit that often goes neglected to our detriment. God's house was a must for Jesus. And one of the outflows of that is favor of God increased. Here's number two. Favor increases when we know God's word. This is so big. Look at verse 46. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to him and asking them 
questions. So think about this. Here's Jesus at 12 years old sitting with the best Bible teachers in all of Israel. And he's listening to them. Do you understand what they're doing? They're debating the scriptures. They're teaching the scriptures. They're asking, he's asking them questions about the word of God. I think sometimes we get the idea that Jesus was just kind of born knowing everything about the word of God. And although he was the living word of God in the flesh, it's very apparent in his humanity that he had to learn the word of God just like you and I needed to learn. And, and we're told in verse 47, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. You know what that tells us? That's another way of saying he knew his Bible. Well, how did he get to know his Bible? Well, I think there's no doubt that his parents played a huge role in that. You read their account of Mary and Joseph, they were very faithful to follow the law with everything with Jesus. I mean, that's why they're in Jerusalem for Passover to begin with. I mean, his, his parents understood the idea of this is a must in his life. He also pursued it. That's what he's doing here in this story. He loves the word of God. He loves talking about it and reading it and learning it and discussing it and listening to it. And most importantly, he's, he, he's committed to want to live that out. And the result of that was the favor of God increased in his life. Listen, you can't live out the word of God if you don't know it. And look what it says in Psalm verse 5, verse 12. For you bless the righteous, talking about those who live your way, God, Oh, Lord, watch this. You cover them, cover him with what? Favor. Favor as with a shield. Oh, do you realize, parents, that the word of God in your kids' lives will protect them? It'll protect them if they live that out. How many of you want to protect your kids? Oh, get the word of God into their life any way you can. James, the half-brother of Jesus, gave these special instructions about the word of God in James. And I'm not going to read this whole passage. Skip forward. It talks about don't be just hearers of the word, doers of the word. Instead, go to the end. Go one forward there, Dante, for time's sake. And it says this, for he who looks at, uh, verse 25, but the one who looks uh, into the perfect law, we're talking about the written word of God here, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, watch this, he will be what? It's the favor of God. That's what we're talking about there. We're talking about the favor of God being able to increase in your life when you're a doer of the word of God. One more scripture verse, Joshua chapter one, one of my favorite uh, passages in the whole Bible. You hear me talk about this every single year. We, we honor the graduates. We give them their graduate Bible. I open up, I read this passage. But in Joshua chapter one, Joshua, he is overwhelmed by the task in front of him. How many have ever been overwhelmed by what God has in front of you? You're like, I know God has called me here, but I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. Well, that's Joshua. Moses has now died. He's in charge, and he can't fathom how he's going to be able to do all that God has called him to do. And God says to him, let me tell you something. This is all you need to know. Watch this. God says, verse 8, the book of the law, we're talking about the written word of God. That's what we're talking about shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Watch this. For the Lord your God is 
with you wherever you go to what? Help you. My favor is going to help you. You've heard me say this with the teens all the time and when I read this. Look, what, what, Josh, what God is telling Joshua is you need to learn the word of God. You need to love it. It needs to be a daily thing in your life, and then you need to live it. And if you do that, listen, God says, I'm going to take care of everything else. I'll make your path straight. Yeah, yeah. If you don't learn to live out the Bible, if you don't get the word of God in you, do you understand you will miss out on favor that could have been yours? And why would you want to do that? This is, this is why we need to daily get into our Bible. And once again, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I think sometimes we can get legalistic and have all this false guilt in our life. And I didn't read my Bible today. And, but, but this needs to become a, a daily habit. You say, well, why does it need to become a daily habit? One, we forget. How many times have you ever been reading a Bible and go, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to, but I'm supposed to forgive them, right? It's alive. It's amazing how the Bible will work in your life to speak to you right where you are. How many times have you ever read a passage or a story and then something's going on in your life and you pick up your Bible and you read it and go, I never saw that in that story before. It's alive and active as the Holy Spirit brings it to life and applies it as you meditate it. It begins to transform you from the inside out. Here's the other thing daily Bible reading does or or study. It, It keeps your mind renewed. Look, my human flesh likes to be unrenewed. I mean, daily Bible keeps me, being, keeps me from being fooled by the world. There's a lot of stuff out there that sounds like God, that sounds like love, that sounds like this, that isn't. That it's not godly. And if you don't know your word of God well enough, you're, you're going to be fooled. Listen, I need to get the word of God in me so it can transform me. And, and so then I can walk in the word of God, and that's where the favor of God is found. Here's my challenge to you. Make a commitment in 2023 to make the Bible a consistent part of your daily life. Some of you already do do that. Some of you are like, I need to do that better. And listen, there are lots of Bible reading plans. Sometimes people will come to me and say, I don't know what to do. For goodness sakes, you Google everything else in life. Do you know how many Bible reading plans there are? Just Google it. I have faith in you. Find something. And listen, it doesn't have to be five hours a day. I think, I think you're better off doing, doing 15 minutes of reading or 10 minutes of reading the Bible a day than trying to do an hour once a week because God doesn't want quantity of time with you. He wants quality of time with you. Amen. And you say, well, sometimes, Pastor, I read the Bible and, and I didn't feel like I got anything for today. So? Maybe what you read today is not for today, but it's a word for down the road. But because it got in your spirit today, now you're more sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking in your life because he brings it to remembrance in you because the word of God has been in you. You know, I I use this illustration all the time with the word of God. Listen, it's it's not that I read my Bible every day and go, oh, wow, that was so profound. There are a lot of times I read my Bible and go, okay. But boy, day after day after doing that, it transforms me from the inside out. It renews my mind, right? I mean, listen, you don't, you don't take a baby and, and, and feed it six ounces of bottle and immediately you pull it out and go, oh my gosh, you've grown. But about a year later, you're going, why have you grown? I'll tell you why, because you fed it daily. That's why it grew. All right, number four. 
gosh, I need to move. Number three, I'm sorry, you're right, number three. Favor increases when we increase in wisdom. Listen, when you and I increase in wisdom, favor will increase in our life. Because they, those two things go hand in hand. Look at it, chapter uh, 2, verse 40. And the child, talking about Jesus, grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And what's the result of that? Favor. And the favor of God was upon him. You say, well, what do you mean by wisdom? Let me give you, it's just a practical definition. Wisdom is the practical application of biblical principles to daily life. Yes. And do you understand true wisdom comes from God? Yes. Do you understand there are a lot of smart people in this world, brilliant people that are not wise? Do you know why I know that? Because the fool says in his heart there is no God. And in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, tells us this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That doesn't mean I'm cowering like, oh my gosh. It means I take God serious. I take him at his word. What he says goes. That's what that, that means. That's the beginning of wisdom. Listen, one of the most important things that you can do is get wisdom into your life. You say, well, how do I get wisdom? Let me give you three things. Ready? This is so simple. It's stupid. Yes. Pray for wisdom. Yes. Once again, I think God's up there going, <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. I want to be generous with wisdom. Watch this, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives graciously to all without approach, and it will be given to him. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the first thing I prayed, and I had the benefit of knowing what the sermon was today, right? <laughs> but when I got out of bed, when that alarm went off this morning, before I, I, this was my prayer this morning. Lord, before my feet even hit the ground, I've got a task in front of me, and I've prepared. But you know what? The truth is, I need more than just my human wisdom. I need your wisdom. I just need you to be, help me be wise today. Help me make wise decisions. Help wise words come out of my mouth. God, I, 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 I need your wisdom to raise my kids. I need your wisdom to help me do my job. I need your wisdom to help me with my hurts. I need your wisdom to help me with this situation. I need you to want your wisdom to help me with this ministry. I need your wisdom to help me with this problem because if I don't get your wisdom, I'm going to be in trouble. The scripture says God wants to give it to you. Here's number two, continue in God's word. I'm not going to go there again, but there's an importance here. Continue in God's word. Look at this. Second Timothy 3, uh, Paul talking to Timothy, he says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. He's talking about the written word of God, which are able to make you wise. Here's the last one. Walk with wise people. You, you need other people in your life that, that fear the Lord. This is one of the reasons we do connect groups because you need relationships with other Christians. You need other people that are walking wisely with the Lord. You need their advice. You need their counsel. Listen, look what it says in Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Can I tell you one of the wisest things that you can do is ask questions to wise people. Parents, one of the greatest things that you can do is go and say, you know what, can I talk to you? You guys did a really, I know you weren't perfect, but you did a really good job raising your kids, and I'm in the midst, and I'm frustrated. And I, can, can you just tell me some of the things that you did? Because I want to learn from, from you. What are some things that I can know about wisdom, about raising parents? And you can do that with any area of your life. He who walks with the wise becomes but a companion of fools suffers harm. One final thing that we learn from the example of Jesus in this passage, and I wanted, I almost did a whole sermon on this because it's so big. 
And this was just the one that nobody, it's like, okay, whatever. But this is so big. Listen to me. Favor increases when we humbly submit to authority. I find it so interesting at the end of this story that we read this about Jesus. Okay, remember Mary and Joseph? Where you been? Come on, we're going home. It's time for us to go back to Nazareth. Me and your father have been in great distress. I mean, she read him the riot act, right? And look what it says. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. You would expect this story to read something like this. Jesus is God. There's no greater authority than that. So Mary and Joseph did whatever Jesus said for him to do. They submitted to his authority. But that's not how the story reads, is it? Here's why. Because Jesus is still a boy. Do you understand? Even God functioned under authority. And God has placed him under Mary and Joseph's authority for this season in his life. Listen, there will come a time when Jesus will be their authority, but not yet. And so what we see is Jesus being submissive to their authority in his life. And what's the result of that? He increased in favor with God. Listen to me very carefully. God will not increase his favor in the lives of people who do not know how to function properly under authority. Amen. Can I tell you, when there's somebody that does not know how to function properly under authority, it's, it's the correlation, it's, you automatically know if that's true, they don't know how to function under God's authority either. Look what James chapter 4 verse 6 says. But he gives more grace. Talking about God, Right? He's got so much grace. He's got overflowing grace. Do you know even Ephesians chapter 2 tells us when we get to, to the next age into heaven that God is going to pour out his grace upon our life for all of eternity, for age after age after age after age. He wants to give you some more of that now. Look, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but what? Gives grace to the humble. Do you understand? You don't put favor in the hands of a rebellious person. Do you know why? Because they're a bull in a china shop. They'll abuse people with it. How many of you have ever had somebody in your life that had authority issues, that had, that had authority? They don't make very good bosses, do they? Now listen, obviously if that authority asks you to do something that is, that is sinful, I, we're to follow God's word, amen. That's not what I'm talking about. But can I just say this? In the world that we live in, not everybody that has a different way or opinion than you. That, that doesn't give you license to, well, that doesn't what I want to do, so I'm just going to do. No. When a, when a, when a, function, when a, when a, when a punk person functions under authority, there, there's, there, God says, okay, that's someone who's going to be able to handle my authority. You understand God is a God of order. It even says in Romans chapter 3, verse 1, um, I'm not going to go there, but it says, it says, love everybody. Love, love the brothers, the brotherhood, otherwise your fellow Christians, and honor the king. And, and you look at that and you go, let me, let me put that in. Love everybody, love your church people, honor your president. You say, well, I didn't vote for him. It doesn't matter. 
but better. Listen, I, I just teach it to you from the Word. I'm just telling you those two things go together. I was thinking about this this week. Um, the Lord reminded me, and I don't have time to tell, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, just, just this year, uh, I remember this year we, we changed our camp dates. Okay, I'm going to tell myself here for a second. So the camps filled up really fast last year. And the time frames that the district gave us weren't right. And, 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 and man, when I found that camps were... I got on my phone and I texted my superintendent, my assistant superintendent, our secretary treasurer, who's going to be here at the beginning of February. He's going to share the word of God with us. The, the youth director. And I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? I'm about, I'm about to lose it. And you know what the Lord said to me? You go back and apologize. Because you're not functioning properly here. I know it's frustrating. Now you know why we're advertising camps now. I'm just telling you. If you want an increase in God's favor in your life, you have to learn how to function under authority that God has set in your life. Listen. So many people, I believe, miss out on God's favor because they just don't know how to function properly under authority. As Jesus submitted under the authority of his parents, the favor of God increased in his life. So think about this, five things that Jesus did that we can do to increase favor of God in our life, to put ourselves in a position to re receive it. Favor increases when we prioritize being in God's house, when we know God's word, when we increase in wisdom, and when we humbly submit to authority. And, are you ready for this? When we pray. And we'll talk about that next week. Here's what I want to do. I want to get you praying in the meantime. Half sheet in your bullets and you pull it out. I want to invite you to join us in a 21-day prayer activity. Part of this is, is I want you to pray over our church. Part of this is I want you to pray over your life. Part of this is I want you to get in the habit of asking for God's help in your life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start with the numbers there. Over the next 21 days, I want you to pray for an increase of God's favor in your life and on your family. Pray it over your kids. Pray it over your wife. Pray it over your husband. Pray it over your family members. Number two, pray for an increase of God's favor upon our church. I am thoroughly convinced that, that, that God has so much more ahead of us that we can ever imagine. And the truth of the matter is it's bigger than we can imagine. There's more fruit than God wants to bring in, in here, but we're not going to be able to do it in our own strength. We're going we're gonna to need a supernatural touch of God's power and his favor in, in, in this place if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be. Now, here's number three. I want you to fast every day. I want you to fast one meal per day. Everybody say one meal per day. Or, everybody say or. 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 All non-related media from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. TV, newspaper, social media, some of you are going to die. In fact, this may be good for you. It's going to be like a detox for you. 
fact, that may be the better fast than doing one meal a day. Pick either one. And listen, if you, can't, if you can't do either one of those, figure something out that's meaningful in your life and fast it. I have confidence in you to figure this out. But here's what I know. When people seek him and fast, God does things. And fasting is not about dieting. You know what fasting does? It reminds you what you're doing today. And it opens your heart a little more wider, and it makes you way more sensitive to not only talking to God, but seeking God that day. That's what fasting does. It's not about dieting. It's about opening your heart more to connect with God. Amen? Amen. And then don't forget to spend time each day in God's Word. Listen, I'm praying. This is, this is what my prayer is this year is that we would look back next year in the 24 and 25 and 26, and we would look back and say, you remember when? This is exactly what we prayed for. And to God be all the glory because it's by the help of God that this is happening. These doors have opened because of the favor of God. Lives have been turned around because of the favor of God. People are getting baptized left and right because of the favor of God. People are coming to know Jesus because of the favor of God. Addictions or lives are being turned around because of the favor of God. We need his help. And we're going to seek him and ask him. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to say a prayer as we close. Please, please participate with us. Join us in the journey. Prayer partners, would you go ahead and come right now? If you're one of my prayer partners, come up right now. If you have a need in your life, we're going to pray over you. Come up. We'd love to pray. The rest of us, let's just bow our heads together. We're going to believe for God for something greater, not only in your life, not only in your family's life, but in this church. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we just ask you, Lord, Lord, we to confess, Lord, we need your help, Lord. We need your favor to establish anything that we do here, Lord, because without your help, without your power, without your anointing, Lord, we are never going to be able to do what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I pray for favor on this church, Lord. I pray for favor in, in, in the lives of the people in this church, Lord. I pray for favor over their family. Lord, in fact, I even begin to pray for favor over generations that are yet to come in their family. And may it start in a season like this as we seek you and your help in our lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen, amen. God bless you. 